0: Hello and welcome to the Digital Assessment Podcast, the brand new podcast covering everything assessment. I'm really excited to be here with you and thank you so much for listening. My name's Susanna Duran and I'll be your host. I'm a former teacher and I'm an EdTech enthusiast, and I love sharing stories about how institutions all over the world have innovated their assessment practices. In the first few episodes, we'll be talking with experts about how you can make sure that assessment is really providing long-term value at your institution. In this episode, we're joined by Bjorn, who's the CEO at Inspira. He'll be talking about what inspired him to start Inspira, what's changed since then, and then we'll finish up by talking about what he hopes to see in the future of assessment. Bjorn, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really glad to have you here with me today. Could you give everyone a quick introduction and tell them a bit about yourself, and tell them a little bit about what you do at Inspira?
1: Yes, thank you, Susanna. Um, I'm very delighted to to um, be part of this uh, podcast uh, series. So uh, my name is Bjørn um, Rustbergard. Um, I'm not going to try to translate that last uh, my last name. Uh, I'm obviously Norwegian. Um, otherwise you wouldn't have such a long last name. Uh, and, uh, I'm also the founder and CEO of, uh, Inspira. So, um, I've been with the company for, uh, 20 years, um, and pretty much, um, uh, been involved in, um, a lot of kind of from the inception of the company, you know, the type of problems you have to solve them to, um, kind of getting a product market fit, um. And also trying out a lot of things that failed and learning from that and, and growing, and then later, you know, when we're getting more mature, um, seeing that actually we are solving real customer, uh, problems and, and then, you know, building, being part of build organization that are scaling it to building, um, growth, um, in, uh, in the organization or in the market, so I'm Kind of a potato of education. So I've, uh, I'm kind of got this hybrid education where I've got, of course, um, the computer skills, um, and also, um, you know, a more classical you know, economics, um, it, it's called more industrial economics. So that means you're applying math to solving. Uh, economy problems, uh, and then I've also taken quite a lot on, on the software uh, side, more organizational theory and marketing and, and other things. Uh, but throughout my studies, I was working a lot with, um, early starts of educational technology. So I was basically looking at how we are uh, using multimedia to, in a more effective way, uh, convey kind of instructions to, to people doing, um, um, courses. So I've always been very interested in, um, the pedagogics and also how can we make sure that, that people are learning more efficient and also tailoring more to their specific needs, which I think is kind of been an important segue into wanting to start in spare.
0: Absolutely. And that actually leads really nicely into my next question, because in the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about how far assessment has come in the past few years and how far it still has to go. And so when you started Inspira, what did assessment look like and what inspired you to create a platform like Inspira Assessment?
1: Yeah. So I remember um, really well (laughs) my, um, my kind of exams, particularly at the university level. Um, and for me, that was, you know, uh, cramps in your, uh, in your hand, uh, because of all the stress of, of, uh, writing and, um, you know, to be more concrete, one of the, uh, <laughs> one of the things that kind of penalized me and that uh, created extra stress is that, um. I started using computers pretty young, I was probably like 10 years old. Um, and, uh, I used computer as much as I could, you know, to write and and, and later, you know, of course, to, to exchange when email started and, and exchange information. And, um, so I, my revisioning process of writing quickly kind of changed because when you're working on the, um. a a word processor, um, if it's today, you know, Google or Microsoft or just a text editor, uh, you have a different opportunity to just make revisions. You don't have to structure all your thoughts and ideas, and then you write them out and you can do it a little bit more starting, elaborating a topic, and then you can expanding it. And then you can, uh, basically expand that whole section and add another topic. But you can't do that on pen and paper. So no. the pen and paper process for me was very, very frustrating for, for many reasons. Um, because it wasn't really tailoring to the way that, um, my, my brain was working. Um, and the tools of preference that I used, um, uh, of course, I was one of the few, it wasn't that many that I had computers in the, uh, mid eighties or late eighties, mm-hmm. um, but, um, but that, that was not catered to at all at, uh, at school. And I, I, and, in even university, and I remember really well, um, a university where I had, where we basically were tested on, uh, semantics or, um, semantic that we actually had the right syntax. Um, and, you know, we were memorizing, you know, the syntax the kind of skills that it's completely obsolete because you have, of course, tools doing all that for you today. Um, yeah. I also remember, you know, one of the horrible, um, exam settings where, um, it's kind of, if, uh, going to the exam was a little bit like a sitting and waiting for, you know, uh, God rolling his dice because the exam could come out from something very simple that you had seen before, you know, in old exam papers or something completely new where you really had to be your very best to handle, um, and think outside of the box to even, you know, be able to respond to the exam. And I think, you know, one of the things that I learned is that, you know, the, the professors at particular universities they might you know use data in their statistics or the way that they teach but they're not necessarily applying you know the same data analysis to assess are we actually having an exam here that are testing the right type of skills and is it really discriminating you know strong and weak learners or are we actually testing you know things like you know stress mastery yeah. So so that's that's kind of some really personal um experiences from from my educational yeah, past.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I both being on the student and teacher end. I think some people learn how to handle exams very well um and then they will probably do well in their exams either way. And some students who might know the topic very well and the rest of the time have great mastery, they just, something about the setting of an exam hall and having to write for hours just makes them fall apart and that doesn't seem fair.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: And you were talking about the having kind of the start of having computers in classrooms and, and I mean, in the past few years, we've seen so much digitization in every part of our lives, really, uh, from, uh, banking, entertainment, shopping. And now increasingly in the classroom as well, but do you think the adoption of digital assessment has been as fast as perhaps other digital learning tools? And why do you think that is?
1: So I think it's very clear that teaching and learning, you know, was transformed and digitized first and you know, probably because that's, that's the first step, right? And that's also, um, where it's, you know, really important also to cater to more, f- you know, flexible teaching so that you can't, you can have a blended, you know, um, course so that, you know, students that are not able to attend, you know, through the regular schedule can, can follow up and do it when, when they have time. So. So I think, you know, that the evolution where we've been seeing kind of transformation in teaching and learning, and then assessment follows from that. I think that's kind of a natural and expected, um, uh, step, uh, I think though, that I expected that, um, how to say this, that uh, the need for having authentic assessment, um, or really assessing 21st century skills, that that would be more a center for, you know, progressive institutions that they actually seeing that, no, it's not just about quality improvements, you know, that you get through digitization. Um, or it's not just through efficiency. it's really about testing the right type of skills and actually not providing another bias because we're testing on something that is not natural for any students anymore. And that's to, to write on a piece of paper. Um, and by that, I'm not saying that we shouldn't teach those skills and that children, you know, of course they need to master it. But another thing is to use that as the way to demonstrate skills, um, today. So, you know, that critical view on. You know, um, are we really testing the right things? I think those debates have been going a lot slower. And I think that says something about the, um, the slowness of change in education in general. So even those that should be critical thinkers, you know, for them to be critical thinkers on, on their own practice, it's actually. Maybe they're seeing it, but it's just taking time.
0: And why do you think, or I suppose there's probably quite a lot of reasons, but why do you think it has been a slower adoption of, of these kind of different types of assessments?
1: Uh, it's so so you know let's let's also be honest right it's It is a difficult project to launch, and it required. Also, um, project groups with not only, you know, subject matter skills, but also really understanding the feasibility of technology, you know, how far can we push it so, um, I, I think it is in education as in very, a lot of other places where, um, There is modernization coming through technology and, and and technology enables kind of change, but it's not the same as the subject matter experts are basically feeling empowered or confident in, in, you know, driving that change. And it also requires that you have vendors that are not just selling it as IT project, but actually, if you want to do, let's say, change the Forms of assessment—that's it, it, a change process because it, you have to work with the academic staff. It's not just to say that, like, oh, here's another technical solution. Please log in and get started. So I, I think a lot of these things are stemming from that the the pace of innovation in technology and the change in 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 in, in tech is moving faster, than actually what. You know, the practitioners here, you know, let's say academic staff are able to absorb, and we're not fully seeing kind of all the consequences either of, of, uh, of these changes. So it's natural that it's easier to, to kind of sit on the fence and say, you know, what we're doing today is good enough. Let's wait a little bit more to see, or to get some more visibility and guidance on how we can apply this in a a good way. But then COVID came and and kind of pushed this a little bit.
0: Yes, yeah, so that was going to be my next question actually, and um, and I think yeah, a lot a lot of this is is actually about change management. It's not just about having a solution; it's being able to make sure that all of the stakeholders know how they can use it best to to really improve assessment, rather than maybe doing something like just uh, putting a. PDF of a paper exam online, perhaps that's not uh, exactly what they want to achieve, but then creating more authentic assessments is more complicated than that. But that, that actually does take us into my next question, which is that obviously, as you said, the pandemic really shook things up quite a lot. How do you think uh, institutions have adapted to be able to assess their students during this time? And. Of course, digital assessment has been quite a uh, a very positive and a very useful tool. And what do you think the the broad impact of the pandemic on digital assessment has been?
1: Yeah, so I, th- I think um, the things that was very clear, uh, you know, once lockdown started, and and it, you know, in the beginning, you know, most of us hoped and believed that you know, just give it a month, and this is going to pass. But once when you're starting seeing that this is actually something that is going to be a blocker for, you know, um, having kind of people in confined spaces due to social distancing, um, then it was different ways to tackle it. Like in Scandinavia, you we've had a very strong tradition on open book exams and, and many of them, most of them just continued doing that. Um, because if you have time, uh, constraints on, on open book exams, it's not that much to begin by, by cheating. And so you, you, you can, you know, take your home or take your exam at home. Um, and then you had institutions that, you know, had a lot of closed book exams, but they had basically the capacity to change, you know, the 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 ways of, or the the forms of assessment to, to move it over to, um, um, an open book exam. Um, and I think most of them also were, you know, pretty successful, uh, doing that. But then you had still quite a lot of institutions that didn't have any other choice because the time was just too short. And there was too risky changing the format. So they had to stick with closed book uh, exams. And, uh, for many of those, we saw a lot of different ways of solving it. Some of them, you know, they canceled the tests completely. Probably most of them did some of them tried, you know, some proctoring solutions that they, uh, added on top. Um, and then for us. Uh, since we saw the need to, to bring in less invasive, you know, um, remote proctoring solutions that, um, was not in your face that still provided, you know, focus on the task, uh, and you know, where it still would work, even if you have a longer offline, um, situation. So, so basically it wasn't that much change. Um, that was at least our design. It wasn't that much change for the way that we offer e-assessment as of today. But it's resilient for these situations. Um, and we had quite a few of customers also who wanted to, and I would say in all fairness, be better customers on the solution that we brought to market pretty quickly to to address kind of the need to to handle integrity, but still balancing, you know, you know, privacy and, and, you know, with a lot less intimidation. Um, and I I think, you know, all of these strategies, I think, um, hopefully most people or most institutions learned a lot and they built some capacity so that the next time, you know, um, you're being limited to, to do on-site exams, they have, you know, some business continuity.
0: Yeah, and when I was speaking with one of our customers, actually, they said that um, they found it very reassuring to have implemented Inspira during the pandemic because if something like that ever happened again or, you know, uh, not necessarily a pandemic, but maybe um, uh, in Australia there's been um, fires and things like that where institutions have to close for whatever reason, it's made their assessment practices more sustainable for the future.
1: Yeah, I, I th- I think that, you know, I think every kind of executive in a, um, uh, higher ed institution or, or any kind of exam institution, um, you know, have to get to a place where there's business continuity and where they can decouple, you know, the decision of scheduling an exam and actually, you know, how it, that exam is going to be conducted if it's, you know, at home or on site, and that they know that it's the very same exam. It, we're not changing kind of the the test construct by 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 shifting kind of the modality or or where we deliver. Because if you are able to have that separation and know that the the test is exactly the same, even if you split the cohort into two groups that, you know, some could do it on site and some could do it at home and there isn't any simpler um, or it's not any simpler to kind of cheat either way. Then I think we've solved a very important problem for, for the institutions that they can have peace of mind, they can make their very best exams, and then actually they can change the way they deliver it, um, for a smaller part of the, um, um, population or, or all of them. And that's, that's really what we've been pushing for to get there. You know, in, in coding, that's always been a design pattern that you create once and you deploy anywhere. Uh, and I think now we're finally bringing that into
0: education as well yes and yes and so now um even though some institutions are going back um some of them all of the students are back in the classroom or indeed the example some of them um some are at home and some are um in the institutions like you were talking about and um lots of people feel like we're kind of coming to the other side in this new normal um and so do you think the institutions now, after all of this change will go back to assessing the way they did pre 2020, or do you think we've come too far now and it will, things will have changed for good?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that the change is a lot deeper, um, than, than just kind of the need for, for business continuity. Um, because if you look at, you know, if you look at Inspira as a company, our offices, at least here in Oslo is max 50% filled, um, because we're allowing, you know, our talented team to, to have more choice on how they structure their work week to make it fit, you know, uh, with their family life, um, to provide a better, you know, work-life balance, um. I am kind of the first one to say that I do think that there's a lot of, you know, it's very important that we have FaceTime because of there's, there's energy and other things that you can provide into teams that it's going to be harder, you know, through a screen, but on the other hand, it's also very important that we are trying to, to help, um, our talents to, to have a better balance. So yeah. that, that change is happening. Uh, and it's happening in any workplace and people are moving out of the big cities, so there is a fundamental change in the way that we're living and working. And my kind of assertion is that, 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 that very change all leading universities that I want to lead by example, I want to be kind of the, the digital you know, to have a digital brand that is more than a nice, you know, web page, but actually means that they are catering to new ways of working. They have to treat, you know, the students in the same way as we treat our employees. So basically, you know, uh, remote exams or flexible exams follows from remote work. And I think that change, I don't think, you know, institutions nor the market has fully taken into account, but that's what's going to happen. And that's what the next 10 years is going to be about, finding that right balance at school or, you know, throughout education or or uh, in the workforce.
0: Yeah, and I suppose it's important for students to be given an opportunity to to be educated in a way that they will work in the future. Lots of students and in institutions are now very concerned about um, workplace readiness, and I think what you're saying about them being able to work from home is is a key part of that in going on from 2020.
1: Yeah, and then I think it's it's also the um, you know the responsibility uh, and the demand for uh, you know more inclusion, um, so yes. that we are allowing you know more people to be students. Uh, if that is, you yeah. know, single dads or moms that, you know, are working, but they still want to, to take further education and where the more rigid course sc- uh, schedule, you know, uh, it's not, they're not able to meet it and equally that the assessment, uh, so they need to have more flexible arrangements. And I think the more we can cater to those needs, um. And and that's, you know, just to make another example is also, um, when you, when you're starting growing your organization, uh, you, you know, you bring on board, um, people that are really, really talented, but maybe are not completely, uh, functioning in large organizations. They actually would like to max, you know, be in groups of two three people and you know, for those, for a lot of those people, uh, you know, getting into a lecture hall with five hundred people is pretty intimidating, and that's just another example of how how a more flexible both, um, course and as well as a you know exam setting kind of brings out the best from them, and they can still be included in uh, and and taking you know the education and and not being kind of discriminated because they're not getting kind of the. Average uh, description of how we want the student to to be in, and behave.
0: Yeah, it's there's lots of reasons why remote or partially remote education will work really well for, for many different types of students, and um, it's been uh, it's it's been more common in places like the United States for quite a long time now. They've had online schools and online universities. It'll be interesting to see if that happens in the rest of the world, but it, I think that it will. And I think that's a really positive thing, uh, for many reasons.
1: Yeah, hundred percent agree.
0: <laughs> so my final question, um, to wrap things up and I asked this to a few people and got some interesting answers, how do you see assessment changing or evolving in the future and what's your hope for the future of assessment?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a large, large question and I would, it is, I would probably, so first of all, some general things that I believe in, you know, we, we are struggling, you know, with too much information and, and also can we really trust the information, right? If you look at the media and other, and, and there is also a lot at stake for, for students, so. I do think that um, credentials in the future uh, most likely will be less valued. So although I'm not a big fan of too much testing, I do think that we're going to move over to a world where there will be more testing just because you can't trust the certifications in the same way. Um, I think that it's going to be harder to to basically have full you know, credibility into all all credentials. Um I also do think that this little bit of classic divide between summative and formative, where, you know, one is about improving instruction and one is about assessing, you know, knowledge of a student at the end of a of a course. Uh and we're The formative has really been about feedback so that the the student and the teacher can improve to really meet the learning objectives of the course. While summative has just been about getting an average number or, you know, a letter, depending on what kind of grade skill you're using. I think those two are completely being mixed and mashed in the future, like Not in terms that they they serve different purposes, but feedback is going to be equally important because any final exam is just a starting point for another learning cycle. And I also think that they will be connected because why shouldn't I, as a student, be guided on when I I do take progression tests, uh, you know, uh, how likely it is that I'm going to pass the exam given where I am right now compared to the rest, you know, the, the normal trajectory of a, of a student at this time place, uh, because all those data is actually available, uh, and it's possible to do it. It's just that we've separated really the responsibility for those two areas and said, you know, you fix, um, summative assessments and you're responsible for teaching and learning and hence using, uh, formative assessment. So I, I think that it doesn't make sense from a learner point of view. If you really want to improve um, education, you have to look at this, uh, these two holistically. And I do think that that is going to come from a system point of view. I think players like Inspira will actually solve that. Uh, but I think, again, from a change point of view, it's going to take probably many decades before that practice is is changed because there is... Um for good reasons. Um, um a slowness to adopt new ideas because you really have to make sure that they are sound and, and valid and have the right intentional consequences. Just in the same way as we do in medicine, right?
0: Yes. Um I really like your answer. Thank you. Um I think I also think as a formal teacher that all assessment should be Formative, Um, and so I think that would be a really positive thing to see. But I agree; I think it will be some time before we see that in every classroom around the world. So wrapping up now, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting to talk about the past, the present, and hopefully the future of assessment. And I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I hope that you have enjoyed being a guest here.
1: I really enjoyed it. So thank you for um, curating such an interesting uh, discussion.
0: And thank you very much also to everybody who's joined us today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I hope that you'll join us next time. We'll be talking with Ishan Kohatka, who is the general manager at Inspira UK, about the long-term benefits of digital assessment beyond the pandemic. You can find us everywhere you usually find your podcasts and you can also find us on social media on linkedin and twitter at inspira